Diane, it's 2.36 p.m. Or it's 5.36 p.m. if you're our guest, Scott. Hey, guys. <laughs> Hi, Scott. I've done that joke three times because we've recorded the intro to this episode three times. Three times. Well, you don't need to make us sound like goofballs right out the gate. <laughs> well, I mean, it's been a minute. Like, we took a travel break, and then we recorded this episode, and now we're re-recording this episode. I just want to let the fans know what's up. Yeah. Where we've been. Technically, re-re-re-recording. Uh, yeah. Well. The first time we only lost ten minutes. <laughs> it's not three re's. No, that's two. Re-re. Yeah, yeah, Riri. just two, just two okay. levels. Okay. Yeah, like Rihanna. I'm a, I'm a, yeah, it's Riri. I'm, I'm a real stickler for, for if we're, if we're gonna start tacking Prefixes. things on to, yeah, <laughs> words, you gotta do it right. Gotcha. Factually accurate. Anyway, this is Twin Peaks Peaks. In case you didn't know, we're talking about the finale before life and death. Finally, it is the finale. Oh, beyond, wow. beyond life and death. Yeah, You're right. Also, yeah, yes. I was about to, oh, boy. Ooh. I am Matthew Olson. I'm Ashley Brandt. And, and I'm Scott Benson. Awesome. Cool. Yay. Everyone should be familiar with the three of us at this point in the journey <laughs> at the show's end. Uh, and, well, I mean, let's let's talk about it again. I have some more things to add this week uh, on this on this iteration of this uh, of this episode. Practice makes perfect. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. But I also don't. Uh, I don't want to be the one to lead us off. Uh, it's now it kind of sucks because the first time we were yeah. able to get, kind of gauge your reaction, Ashley, to having yeah. seen the episode for the first time, mm-hmm. and that was then a surprise to Scott and me. Yeah, like, to hear how you felt about it, and now we know how you feel about it. But maybe your maybe your thoughts have changed. Spoiler alert: They haven't. Okay. <laughs> for the listeners at home, I was a big fan. This was a goddamn relief. Um, actually, one of my really good friends, whose taste I like always trust, uh, told me that she used to just sometimes watch the finale. Okay. And I, so I knew going in that I was like probably going to be into it, but I don't think I expected, you know, twenty-five minutes of uh, the Black Lodge. Mm. which was so welcome at this juncture in um in in Twin Peaks especially after Miss Twin Peaks. Yeah. Which for Scott when you watched the finale uh as it aired live originally uh this came hot on the heels of that episode. Uh was it was it was it actually presented as a conjoined thing or did they roll credits, you know, on the Miss Twin Peaks episode? No, literally cut the commercial. it was back to back. In fact, there was like a a um, hiatus of about I think a month and a half from the right, episode right. Um, Path to the Black Lodge I believe was the one um, and then hmm. it, then so that episode aired in April of 91 and then fast forward to like June uh, the June 10th or something like that I believe a Monday night and ABC has a Monday night movie of the week and they have the Twin Peaks finale and they just basically show Miss Twin Peaks then this episode Beyond Life and Death and then there's no credit break or anything like that so it plays like one long show yeah which has got to be really jarring then because stylistically the two episodes are very dissimilar oh god so different they are they are i mean i do like the miss twin peaks episode for its own merits and some of the, i like the strobe lights at, at the uh, attack of wind at the at the miss twin peaks and stuff like that right. but it still has residue of some of the worst traits of season two doldrums and this new episode now the finale is like a breath of fresh air and that's we all know that that's 
really due to David Lynch's return to the director's chair. Absolutely. I actually met someone this weekend who was like, oh, yeah, I didn't I didn't really watch past halfway through season two. Like, what do you think? And I was like, not worth it, <laughs> except for the finale. <laughs> no, no other redeeming traits that you would pick out. You wouldn't tell someone to tough it out. No, because that's always been my that's always been my stances. You said tough it out. Yeah, you don't need to tough it out. <laughs> OK, I think I actually want to do a video that's like everything you need to know about, like the second half of season <laughs> two of Twin Peaks. Just hit all of the major marks that like will make the finale make sense. Hmm. Bold, bold statement. I stand by it. For I some, don't think I missed out on anything. this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> when the um, when the show took a break from um it went on hiatus before after um Josie got trapped in a drawer pole then it was off for several weeks <laughs> and then they did a special recap before the next episode and I think it's on the Blu-ray and it was something that for the first time it's instead of just a regular announcer going previously on Twin Peaks it's actually Dale Cooper talking to Diana dictating all this stuff that's happened to kind of catch oh, viewers gee. up and you could literally oh, skip those episodes through the worst of it and hear Cooper talk about it to Diane and save yourself that six or eight hours of programming. Looks like you've been beaten to the punch, Ashley. You know what? Just take that audio and then I'll just chop and screw <laughs> oh some footage. It reminds me of those, those, uh, cause we got to talk about lost on this show. <laughs> reminds me of those little specials they would run in the, uh, preseason or mid season, uh, you know, sort of ramp ups yeah. where they would do like the the recaps and I think they all they would always have the same narrator trying to be like, here's what happened and it was half like maybe you missed an episode and you know it's even though it's the late two thousands you don't have a TiVo or D V R or like then kind of trying to nudge people who couldn't follow the plot, who like <laughs> weren't obsessively reading message boards to be like, No, this part is important. Like think about it. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Um and yeah, people, I mean, given what we know from the Usenet, people could have maybe used that more consistently in Twin Peaks. Pretty, like, yeah. Focus on this. No, this character in the background of this shot is not the same as this main <laughs> cast member that you think it is, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, but let's let's dive into the episode. Uh, and as I learned upon the first recording of this uh, podcast, uh the script is very different. Uh, the the shooting script is very different than what was written, so I'm sure that will come up and oh, as we talk yeah. about the changes made and sort of meta elements going on. But uh, the opening, oh boy, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, so it's the it's kind of the return of Cooper's precognitive detective abilities, which I did complain about earlier, but I am so glad to have it back. All yeah, of the characters feel so much more in character than they have in, you know, quite some time. Well, when he yeah, goes, he goes it. from fly fishing to doing this. That's yeah, definitely the Cooper you want to see. Exactly. Absolutely. Um, we got Andy and Lucy fully in love. No Dick Tremaine in sight. Oh, Dick's, thank God. Dick's arc is over. And uh, we don't even have to mention him. Well, I mean, better him towards the end than at the beginning with little Nikki. Oh, God, that was. Um, and we got Pete busting in. His truck has been stolen <laughs> by who he thinks is the log lady. Uh, but no, this this act of grand theft auto uh, was, of course, perpetrated by everybody's favorite, least favorite villain, uh, Wyndham Earl. 
and uh, some other choice peat lines. Uh, King Arthur's buried in England, uh, and so forth. But Cooper is like standing in uh in in his character fully he oh, is god he is so ready nice. he is he is ready for this finale yes <laughs> uh, he's ready to be an active character again he is having thoughts he is moving stuff along he says the log lady's gonna be here in three five seconds one minute one, one minute, minute. One, minute. Exactly. one minute there we go um and she comes because yeah. this is the cooper we know and love and he knows everything yeah so i i, I had just learned uh in, in my in my research that uh the log lady and ronette pulaski who also appears in the scene were not planned to be part of this episode i know um which seems nuts because their inclusion uh at the very least it's like you know fulfilling sort of just like a fan service like hey these characters who are important to the mythology uh and like style the show are back yeah uh to sort of lend a hand and building towards these events um so you gotta wonder what the what the writer's room was thinking by like not trying to hit on all these points that then david lynch comes in and is like no as a season finale as a potential series finale we should be you know working these uh these characters and themes in as much as possible yeah i mean the changes from the shooting script which is available on the internet if you want to take a look and what we see are pretty striking um i know like Catherine was written out of this episode by David Lynch. Um, <laughs> also, in terms of, <laughs> I, th- I I appreciate that. Yes, that that is fine by me. Oh, um, poor Catherine. <laughs> I mean, racist Catherine. <laughs> there's poor engages in foot fetish Catherine. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it's just, it's it's strange because with that plot line, it's totally unclear why Catherine needs to be as invested like this is with the key left by thomas ecker it makes sense for andrew to finally leave his little wall alcove (laughs) and like start poking around and like have a personality but Catherine's real beef right now if if any is still with ben um very true very true but i think that the changes between the original script and what ended up being aired are pretty significant in terms of just bringing the show back to its true form and setting the agenda for season three um there is this quote about or from david lynch about directing um this episode specifically let me see if i can find it uh lynch said that the last episode was written but when it came to the red room it was in my opinion completely and totally wrong completely and totally wrong and so i changed that part a lot of the other parts were things that had been started and were on a certain route so they had to continue but you can still direct them in a certain way but i really like that last episode yeah um we had talked scott about how you feel even Wyndham Earl in the scene where he's pulling uh, Annie out towards uh, Glastonbury Grove, like is more effective under uh, Lynch's direction. Uh, and I, I, or maybe, maybe I was the one I who knows a week ago feels like forever now. Uh, but I definitely feel like even with the, with the spooky flashlight on the face, like so much better than, you know, like smiling slyly you know just past camera in a costume Wyndham Earl uh like <laughs> just works so much better in that scene is is so much scarier which is saying something uh mm-hmm. 
Yeah, he's actually menacing for the first time in, since his initial appearance, I think, on the show, because he was deluded so much with the different antics and the costumes and that sort of thing. And um, I know from looking at the script that almost, I'd say, like 90% of his dialogue was just thrown out and just stripped to the mm -hmm. bone. And I think that's all for the better, because I think we they've hammered us over the head so long with what his issues are with Cooper that we didn't need to hear him talk about how he was going to do this and that to Cooper that we just want, yeah. we were shown it and we just get to see the experience and have him deal directly with Annie and even um, Heather Graham, who's not the most um, emoting actress. I think she's kind of wooden at a lot of times, but I think she's very effective in this. And I also think that's due to a lot of her dialogue being minimal mm -hmm. as well. I think they work yeah. well as just visual forms that Lynch is moving around in the space to propel the story forward. Yeah, we don't need it. We don't, we just don't need another Catherine's aorta line. Like that sort of just like, you know, scenery chewing and dripping with like hackney evil kind of like stuff Batman, going on. Batman villainry. Yeah. He's like the, the Joker on the old Batman TV show kind of sort of. Yeah, the, the low rent Joker. Um, but oh boy i mean so we, we get a lot of different characters and all of them i think benefit from, yeah. from the direction and the sort of you know uh, in the direction that the script was taken in mm -hmm. uh as it was massaged and so forth uh including some faces that uh i don't think you ever thought were gonna come back or <laughs> come back in this way or factor into the finale are you talking about sarah palmer uh, I'm talking about Sarah Palmer. I'm talking about Sylvia. I'm talking about Snake. Snake. <laughs> well, he's been around for a minute. A little bit. But like Ronette, I thought we had forgotten about Ronette at this point. Mm -hmm. that... I when I first saw her, like, like leaning back into Hawk, I was like, "Is this Diane Shapiro PhD? What did I miss?" <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> uh, no, that'll have to that'll have to be saved for season three, unfortunately. Um, I hope. I don't know. I saw. I remember. Uh, I saw like some some person, a fan out there, uh, had made like mock newspaper advertisements for like oh. for like season three uh, in the style that they had put ads in the newspaper for episodes of like the first two seasons of Twin Got Peaks it. back in the day. Mm -hmm. uh, and they had like their dream casting for Diane, like being hyped in, in oh you God. know their their fake season three promos and stuff, which was kind of cute. Uh, I don't know who would play Diane, though. I don't know who would be right. I mean, of the recent developments, well, it's probably a Lynch collaborator, Yeah, is my guess. If if, if we were to meet Diane. I have a theory. I, <laughs> I don't know if we can talk about it, but uh, uh, I, think I, know what, I think I know who you would suggest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we're all on the same page. I think we're all on the same... Tweet at us with your guesses for who's yeah. going to play page. Diane. Um, <laughs> But yeah, let's talk about let's talk about uh, the scene with uh, Nadine and Mike and Ed and Norma. Oh, just cut right to the good stuff. Yeah. Right to the good stuff. Drape runner corner. Um, yeah, you know, hit us with the maybe the final drape runner corner. I already i I already had a hard enough time must mustering the energy for this on the first go round. Just uh, take a deep breath. It's in you. I can feel it. All I feel is sorrow. <laughs> because Mike bears his heart he confesses his love for Nadine and uh, kudos to Mike because also somehow Mike got hit on the head by a tree uh, we don't know how that happened 
we saw Bobby get hit on the head. We saw Nadine get hit on the head. Mike, I don't know, he tripped and fell. Uh, but he confesses love, and Nadine is back to her old ways. Back to... Drape runners. Back to drape runners. Uh, Most important development. Yeah. And, you know, Ed and Norma, they sh- they, they deserve to be happy. Do they? <laughs> I think they do. I think they do now. I've come around. They didn't start Ooh. out as adulterers. They were in love beforehand, so. Yeah, you know. exactly. I mean, what you're saying is Norma had dibs? <laughs> yes. Norma, I think Norma had dibs. Wow. Demonstrably, Norma had dibs. But this is one of the scenes that's really different from the shooting script because the shooting or the final script that Harley Payton, Robert Engels, and Mark Frost had had um, Mike and Nadine in the scene. Mike walks Doc Hayward out of the room and then they kind of start talking, Mike and Nadine, and then Ed and Norma enter. But instead, all five characters are present throughout this whole scene in that, like, very Lynchian mid-shot. And I think that what David Lynch really excels in is making the audience uncomfortable and, um, like, avoiding avoiding easy shots and easy dialogue. Yeah. I think it would be really easy to just have that as a conversation between Mike and Nadine, but instead by, like... Bringing all of the involved parties plus Doc Hayward into the scene, <laughs> it creates a lot more tension and requires a lot more juggling of interests and characterization. And Doc Hayward feels super awkward and is like this interesting audience surrogate in that sense. Um, and I think we see that in a lot of the scenes that David Lynch rewrote where there are just more characters present and it's a richer scene for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh yeah, Scott, we we had bonded over appreciation of the painting in uh, Ed and Nadine's house. The yeah. painting with the little foil inserts for if, the lights. If I could have, uh, yeah, if I could have one prop that was Twin Peaks centric, that would be in the running to have that a replica yeah. of that in my home. It's like top five: that painting, the log, yes, <laughs> a coffee cup, uh, the ice cream cone from the <laughs> from the Double R Diner. Maybe the puzzle uh, box. The puzzle box. Maybe just the kidding. puzzle box. Just kidding. <laughs> no, no one wants it. Oh. I want the cake saver with, yeah. the, with the key in it. Um, yeah, and it, it, but even like that, like a little throwaway thing, like that's something that you notice because they're 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 stuck in that mid shot uh, rather than you know some kind of you know more conventional framing for a a less challenging version of that scene. Mm-hmm. Um, so really love that. Uh, but yeah, Hayward's there. He's hanging out. <laughs> we we were on fire when we were we were we were raking Doc Hayward over the coals for what he does this episode. And I don't know, I don't know if I can can oh muster the same energy about it this time. But uh, he, he Doc he, Hayward he is he breaks bad. Is... <laughs> He can, he can teleport though. He's gone from the the Pat stuff uh, stuff at the Roadhouse with Miss Twin Peaks, and then now he's at, at um, Ed and, and uh, Nadine's, and then he's going to zip home just within moments. Maybe they live across the street. Who knows? Oh, very possible, actually. Yeah. Yeah, we don't know the the layout of these houses, I guess. Um, but uh, Doc Hayward is a killer. We know where Donna gets her murderous instincts from, nature or nurture, you know? <laughs> it settles that argument for <laughs> sure. For sure. Uh, yeah, Ben... 
Ben trying to be good Ben uh, sort of dives headlong into a situation that does not end well for him. Ends with uh, with a very serious injury, at least, if not if not if death. not death. Uh, we also see Celia, Sylvia, Celia, Sylvia. Yeah. Celia, Sylvia um, for the first time in since episode two, episode two at the dinner scene with the oh, brie yep. sandwiches. Yes, yes. With the brie and butter. And I remember sandwiches. you saying to me that this wouldn't be the last we'd seen of Sylvia, mm-hmm. and I'd completely forgotten that. Yeah. It was this final scene where yeah. they remembered that Ben has a wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the most inopportune time. <laughs> just, <laughs> just rough. And uh, Donna... Donna threatening to leave, which again, just let her go. Just <laughs> so many lives would be saved. Yeah, uh, man. Again, another another very tense scene. We just keep throwing people sort of into the mix and and letting that tension build until Hayward snaps. Uh, which yeah, he's gotten angry before, but not violent. Yeah, and then this will be unresolved as he just pops up again later <laughs> no blood just, on his hands just totally calm totally chill finish burying the body in order to <laughs> i do love the raw emotion of of um warren frost performance as doc hayward because he really crosses over from that scene kind of plays like something that could literally be on invitation to love or a soap opera that yes. sort of thing but he brings so much kind of real human um just like going right over the edge when he's like screaming over the body of, of Ben that it kind of takes that scene and elevates it in a way that I don't think it would have played if anyone else had directed it and shot it in a different way, you know? Yeah, absolutely. The original script had Doc Hayward like being distressed and saying, I'm sorry, and Donna get my bag. But I think like the anguish um, and the like anger that's still present in Doc Hayward makes him a much more interesting character in this moment for me. Yeah, yeah. me too. And one thing though, where are, where are Harriet and uh, Gersten? Wouldn't you have loved with all the callbacks and all the people coming back? Yes. Where are those? Where are those sisters? Honestly, they probably took off. They were probably like, we can't live with Donna anymore. We're going to boarding school. Let us know when she's gone. Yeah. But just imagine, just imagine Doc Hayward basically suplexes Ben into the fireplace and then (laughs) Hayward screaming and then in pops Gersten being like, I've prepared a dance, a song and dance routine that I'll be performing soon oh at God. the middle school I'll be playing some Mendelssohn for your pleasure yeah <laughs> just like not now Gersten I'm gonna be so upset if we don't see Harriet and Gersten in season three yeah it'll be a missed opportunity for sure if they don't if they don't pop yeah. back up um but this season this this scene specifically does have that really nice invitation to love soap opera feel that I feel like the show has been aiming for and missing recently or they've been like aiming for and just landing more in the undesirable kind of hack soap opera territory and not doing anything interesting with it or just being not in that realm at all but weird for the sake of not or maybe not weird for the sake of weird but just like on another spectrum that is not sort of the uh sort of familiar turn on its head with the tension turned up to 11 that mm-hmm. David Lynch can mm-hmm. just like flawlessly execute. It's the, um, it's the thing like with Ingalls and Peyton's uh, 
run of the show when they were running things with that slog episodes they don't understand anything about surrealism or about Mm -hmm. things that have more than one like on the surface and then something that's hidden behind it they don't know about layers it seems like in their storytelling and all the layers and the subtext are back in this episode yeah this is can almost feel like a little overwhelming because i'm looking at my notes here and i'm just like great scene great scene so much uh but then you know i don't know how much you get out of out of just like praising all of it for being super good either i mean but um, the back half of season two up until this episode really feels like season four of Community, <laughs> if anyone else is familiar with that feeling where you're like, yeah, like this concept on the surface seems very in line with the vibe of the show or the, you know, whatever. But the execution is lacking in this like s- semi intangible way where there's just this extra dimension that's missing and it's not necessarily it's just a lack of depth you know Mm -hmm. it's it's like every scene could be rewritten just a little bit and hit its mark absolutely um and and not every like not every moment that works in this episode is um uncomfortable either uh or all that intense like the opening with Andy and Lucy and then later uh, uh, after Dale has entered the lodge uh, and we see Truman sitting on the log uh, with Andy trying to trying to you know nudge him to eat some food and you know just trying to to reach Truman as he's just staring at the circle of trees Uh, Mm -hmm. those are really like I mean like they're funny without like trying to be slapstick uh they're they're great character moments for andy both those scenes um and it says something that like i mean you know someone who likes the back half of of season two more uh it's like it is weirder it is you know more funny or or trying to be humorous uh in a in a but just in more obtuse ways in in ways that just don't work that just like plainly like you know you just i keep going back to the image of and I hate to say it a second time uh little nikki but like the thought bubble the thought mm-hmm. bubble with nikki in oh the devil costume oh my like, god that's 100% how to do you know the character of andy and how to do even like a gag along those lines just so so wrong like mm-hmm. um it doesn't make any sense that that would that would be cleared that that would make it to air i don't know yeah like a moment um, like that would have never happened in season one that totally breaks the wall from what mm-hmm. the season one had constructed you know in the first half of season two yeah um so where where, where to next what uh you, you had mentioned that you wanted a, a, a team up between uh donna and another horn yes do you remember yes i do my proposed (laughs) season three idea um would be like kind of a face-off between like the daughters of the horn empire where donna like ascends to basically ben's position in the horn empire and takes jerry along with her because jerry just exists to be convinced of things and i think donna's pretty 
manipulative when she wants to be and season three can have audrey like you know the prodigal daughter returns yeah to take what's hers you could also throw in um cookie from empire and she could be like (laughs) having a hip-hop label that jerry and donna want up i wasn't sure with where you're going but uh jerry horn like i could see oh god uh that's um david david shit. patrick kelly david patrick kelly couldn't you see david patrick kelly playing the paul giamatti role yes. <laughs> oh, like my he god. totally could be the the skeezy uh yes. Uh, white executive producer of a hip hop label, sure. just in it for the money, completely disrespectful. <laughs> yeah, uh... Donna just creates that role for him to get him out of her way. Exactly, <laughs> and then he um, dies because it's her fault. But, yes, but really, her kill count is just rising. Who's dropping fire mixtapes in Twin Peaks? Really, like nobody. No, <laughs> it's no. <laughs> um, uh, well, maybe one person, Jimmy Scott, <laughs> hanging out in the Black Lodge yeah. when Cooper enters. We get we get this we get a our first taste of inside the Black Lodge in the Red Room, and some more scenes back out in regular reality between. Uh, but the inclusion of Jimmy Scott singing uh, "Sycamore Trees" so good, so good, fantastic. And uh, Jimmy Scott was approached by Lynch. Just to sing a song, wasn't really explained what this was for or how it was supposed to fit in, what it meant. Just like, yeah, if you could just come in and sing this song, it would be really great. We're going to put you in the suit and uh, just going to take a couple <laughs> angles of it. Maybe play with the lights, you know, do your thing. Uh, and it, I don't know. Yeah, the inclusion of a, a another lounge singer scene definitely kind of makes the series feel even more Lynchian. We haven't had a lounge singer since Julie Cruz. Um, and it just reminds me so much of Club Silencio, as well as Blue Velvet. Um, gotta yeah. have that Lynchian lounge singer touch. And yeah. I do think the the um, entrance into the Black Lodge, that Wyndham takes Annie in there, and then when Cooper goes, the lo-fi aspect of the special effects is so mm-hmm. effective by just having mm-hmm. it be almost like I think it contributes to a more dreamlike feel for the whole piece instead of some flashy special effects or some kind of weird digital effects that would have obviously not dated well. I think there's a timelessness yeah. to those curtains appearing out of the darkness and then they walk through and then it goes back to the trees. I think that's fantastic. And it's very much like uh, from the eraser school of special effects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks really great still. Uh, it holds up. In yeah. a way that, like, and it wouldn't seem appropriate. Like, it already seemed to be kind of pushing it in a in a weird direction when they're in the cave. And yeah, you start I was to see say... these kind of like yeah. hidden mechanical aspects to you know whatever culture had interacted with. Um, oh, god! Uh, with the, down. Uh, the lodge before, uh, and so like try to imagine like a you know if they had tried to do some kind of entrance to the lodge in that same fashion like it probably would have held up about as well as like the first harry potter movie when you see the bricks <laughs> shift and move to go to diagon alley like that looks like crap now uh but you just get a good person who can edit and composite well and just have them fade in curtains fade out curtains perfect it's perfect excellent and super spooky mm-hmm. so spooky and that music too this episode has more 
new music that's too, new to the series that's never been heard, like from the music that plays right at the beginning of the sheriff station. It's called Dark Mood Woods, um, and which is just a fantastic uh, low sustained piece of music that's a little bit similar in tone to Laura's theme before it turns into the lush romantic music. But that mm-hmm. this music plays all through the episode, and then of course the music is fantastic in the actual uh, Black Lodge scenes itself. Yeah, but we got one. I mean, we have a great uh, sequence that happens at the double R, but we have one yes. huge, huge scene, uh, long, drawn out scene uh, to talk about. And uh, yeah, it's a shame that you know uh, we don't get to have your like pent up. I want to talk about this right away. Reaction like we did. Oh yeah, on the first recording. But the savings and loan. Yes. Uh, I I had hyped this up for you. Oh my god. Uh, Take it away. How do you feel about the Twin Peaks saving and loan scene? Oh my god, I am so into it. Like I love the Red Room and I love everything that Lynch brings to that scene. But I think that um, the interior of Twin Peaks savings and loan is so Lynchian. I don't think any other director could have done what Lynch does with the long, wide shots with with the older gentleman walking across the bank vault as he like gets audrey a glass of water Mm -hmm. oh my god and the sound of his shoes clacking on the ground (laughs) yeah uh that is del nibbler uh played by ed wright um who i believe also appears in wild at heart oh um and i was reminded uh just today as i was poking around del nibbler reappears in a deleted scene uh, from Firewalk. He sure does. Oh, he's outstanding. Shit. Yeah. Uh, he, yeah, I won't spoil it for Ashley, but he's in a he's in a scene with uh, another favorite. OMG. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. Uh, that, yeah, doesn't, doesn't get enough screen time in the movie. Um, the other thing I really appreciate about this scene is Audrey gets to do something of her <laughs> own volition. Yes, that something is getting chained to a door where she can't. <laughs> But I love it. Um, Civil disobedience, as as Andrew points out. Andrew's even good in this scene. Like I don't feel personality. I don't have to feel guilty about it. Like other times, you know, talking about his kind of arch and goofy ways, the I'm alive and stuff. Like it's still like kind of like okay, it it tickles me. But here he's great. He's just great. Uh, Busting out the Marcus Aurelius and uh, and. Um, I mean, getting his comeuppance, I guess, <laughs> at the end. You have to uh, wonder. You have to wonder, though, like how ineffectual it is that Audrey's act of civil disobedience doesn't really prevent anyone from going in or out of of the safety deposit room. Another great yeah. touch, like yeah. <laughs> yeah, that she's just like moving with the door exactly. again, just like that awkwardness that David Lynch just doesn't shy away from. Yeah. Um. So. Eckert, of course, plants a bomb, which, like, I don't know. I would be pretty suspicious of anything uh, that my arch rival was doing if yeah, I was... no kidding. If I was Andrew Packard, but I guess I guess not. And uh, we know that Pete and Andrew are right there at the sort of last epicenter. Uh, and we see Del Mibler's glasses flying out into a bush, followed by some some uh slowly raining dollar bills uh but this is a it's a fucking cliffhanger like this this is like a mark frost like here's your big moment cliffhanger that's very Um, true and 
like that that's it like rap on Audrey rap on Pete like that's crazy um yeah I mean I think we know that Audrey is returning in some form in season three yeah but maybe maybe as a ghost who just has to drag around the fucking uh door, door oh my with god. her in purgatory yeah yeah oh my god who knows who knows yeah I really wonder who would have survived the explosion if they just rolled right into season three but I would think with Jack Nance's untimely death yeah. they'll probably write write his death as during the bank explosion yeah, I uh I really wonder just what the what the implications of the like the the future implications other than who survives who doesn't of the explosion would be like what does what would Catherine do in response to this she was supposed uh, to be in this scene yeah uh but now left out of it like does the does the storyline continue from here do we learn more about well, is the plan Can to like we never talk us... about Eckerd again yeah i mean that's what i would prefer but like it's kind of, it's kind of a strange note to be like and here's the explosive finale like literally to this plot line that has you know gone in fits and starts mm-hmm. and that's just it you yeah. know Josie's stuck in wood and <laughs> and a bunch of people died in a bank explosion like that would also be like in a way a dissatisfying way to leave it um without yeah. taking some time between things well i mean that's how it's been left for 25 years so good 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 start at least we can maybe just like say what happened after what happened and i'm th- um, i'm thinking mark frost's book that's going to come out this fall called the secret lives of twin peaks right. it's basically going to be um filling in all the blanks and we're going to hear some of these secondary stories resolved in, in hopefully some sort of fashion that's going to mm-hmm. make the new series not have to dwell upon catching you up to speed with everything that's gone on in the 25 years since yeah let's hope what happened to the security guard who who was a new a new dad what happened yeah it's a boy also, <laughs> yeah. when i first watched that scene i thought it was andy and lucy and then i was once again like no lucy's like six weeks pregnant yeah yeah not not a lot of time has passed <laughs> um in universe uh but speaking of people in love uh Bo- bobby says let's get married yes. to shelly yes there's 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 your drape runner corner there's your your otp so uh, real shipping for this for this week is the best couple in twin peaks being happy and giving heidi shit for showing up late <laughs> to work again full circle God, such a nice like book ending scene again this was not a, in the original script and the original script like major briggs and hawk went to go find leo and David Lynch was like, no, we're not messing with that Rube Goldberg trap. Yeah. Instead does like a like a weird comedic cutaway to it, uh, which I can't tell if I like or not. I, I'm i going back and forth on it. Um, yeah. And instead, Major Briggs gets to be here just being happy in the booth with his wife. Mm-hmm. And Bobby sees that and is all smiles and so forth. And it's just like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, right. they do that 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 dog barking thing that they Bobby do the, does. The, the, the weird barking thing, which I guess is just like now going to be their like cutesy couple thing. I don't know. <laughs> but it's better than make... oh, better than Bobby barking in the jail cell. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> See, that's that's real character growth. Yeah, he's going to make an honest woman out of Shelley. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 
I'm I'm still pull I'm still pulling for two things in season three. I want Andy to be mayor, and I want Shelly and Bobby to own the double R. That's what I want. Yeah. Um. You know what just occurred to me? What? Why hasn't anyone noticed that Annie is missing? Yeah. Why are they just chilling at the diner now? Yeah. That did not occur to me the first two times we did this. Maybe Norma didn't know when they left the Miss Twid Peaks that Annie had been abducted. That's all I could think. Or, like we discussed on the Lost recording, this episode, I think it does have a couple logic uh, plot holes in it. For and sure. I think it's from so much of it being thrown out by David Lynch and him focusing on what was important to him. And I think that they just kind of didn't choose to address some yeah. of those logistical things. And still probably better off for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any. Oh, well, then. And then Sarah Palmer, who who reappears. And, yes. and Dr. Jacoby's cape returns. Oh, my gosh. Oh. Yes. That's the look the of the episode. Yes. Uh, Such a good look. Yeah. Kind of kind of strange given his usual his usual uh, tropical attire. Tropical vibe. Yeah. Um, but, you know, man is versatile. He's recovered from everything he went through he's ready to turn over a new leaf yeah a new spooky i wonder <laughs> dracula costume actually leaf. wait okay i wonder <laughs> like what were he and sarah palmer doing together don't know don't know do you think that like sarah could marry her her nope. late daughter's I'm, psychiatrist no, 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 no. i'm saying no, <laughs> no. maybe she was probably maybe seeing him for therapy after the death of her entire family oh, maybe possible. that one of those little oh. things like that <laughs> <laughs> the some, only town psychologist something like that yeah yeah if if uh if doc hayward can't handle it you yeah. just go right to jacoby i mean we know Even jacoby yeah. is happily married but i think that would be such an intersection of, of strangeness yeah but like not in a good way probably I not no. maybe a um, bit much but uh sarah is not totally herself here um very true uh so I guess we settled that in subtitles or in the script, it's supposed to be Wyndham Earl speaking through Sarah. Yes. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. But that seems like bullshit. <laughs> it seems like something that Earl wouldn't be able to figure out. <laughs> Just given how competent he is not. I mean, as we've this episode establishes, Wyndham Earl is, you know, a piece of gum stuck on Bob's shoe. Wyndham Earl is nothing. Yeah. Uh, when I first saw this, I actually thought it was the little man from another place speaking. Oh. Through her, which you that, could read I, that into it, too. I like that much better. Or or the giant, or... Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. she's seen Bob so many times. Or even Laura. Uh, also true. Is is in the Black Lodge. Uh, or in the Red Room. We don't know. I mean, some people want to insist that we see both the black and white lodge this episode, but I mean, that's all theory crafting and interpretation past a certain point. What is that argument? Uh, That if there's doppelgangers, it's black lodge, but essentially if if there's not doppelgangers, it's white lodge. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. Some people, some people choose to interpret that way. I think we're, I think we are solidly in the black lodge. Yeah. (laughs) Part of me wants to believe that the white lodge does not have so much zigzag and curtains. Um, But one would think, uh again up to interpretation and then we're there we're we're in it for the pretty much the rest of the episode yeah 
Uh, There's one thing I want to touch on before we get to that part of the episode, because I think that's going to be a long discussion. But I think that um, just looking over the dialogue that was rewritten specifically, just dialing Andy into the right amount of like goofiness and like just social unawareness and like thoughtfulness and also um specifically the opening scene where they're talking about king arthur's grave it was originally written such that um dale cooper was gonna be like glastonbury grove that's where king arthur is buried and then pete was going to say oh he's buried here yeah um instead of the he's in england which is just like it just comes out so much better yeah or at least last i heard i just think that um (laughs) it's so easy to write characters as stupid for comedic effect Mm -hmm. and i think that this just the rewriting that we see as far as the dialogue goes in this episode just elevates the elevates everything to a much more real level um and i think it just feels more natural the characters feel more in character and it feels a little less slapstick across the whole episode yeah for sure i mean i don't think slapstick would belong in any incarnation of this episode given the tone and the stakes at play yeah Uh, for sure but you could see a version where it was there because you've seen that that uncomfortable mixing of the two of the two poles in earlier mm-hmm. season two episodes yeah so, glad it's not present uh, yeah at this time yeah no costumes for earl Thank like God. like that's the thing like the funny like the one like weird funny moment is the cutaway to leo i feel like the one that's like yeah this is kind of being played for laughs um in a, in a way that's like i don't know that scene was originally going to have, you know, Leo being discovered and then the trap being set off and stuff. Yeah, well, and he was going to, like, greet Major Briggs and Hawk, and that was going to, like, open the tarantulas. I don't know. It Having characters that are just not functioning at a high cognitive level, like, can move stuff along, but... It's this half of the season that gives us that Pete is a chess expert, which is a great character trait for Pete to have. So why can't he also know where King Arthur's buried? Yeah. And just say it <laughs> confidently if if somewhat, like, kind of, well, duh, in the moment. Yeah. 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 Uh, God. Now I just, I just was struck by an image of what if Pete, what would Pete... Uh, or Pete's doppelganger be doing if he appeared in the Black Lodge. Um, fish heads, fish heads, and percolators. He just would have a table full of that, probably. Well, yeah. it, would be, it would be the uh, it would be the 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 moment when Cooper is testing out the coffee cup that he's passed, and like at first it's liquid, then it's solid, then it's coming out slow, then a fish head pops yeah. out, <laughs> and then you cut to to Pete standing there being like, <laughs> "I did not change the, I did not put the fish in the percolator." Yeah, all backwards <laughs> talking. Um, yeah. I th- well, I think we just cracked that nut, so fa- the fantasy it. moment over. Uh, but what actually does happen in the Red Room, and, and, and how do we feel about it? Uh, so many things happen. Um, we get some, like, some connections being drawn out more explicitly, uh, like between the, the world's most decrepit room service waiter and the giant, <laughs> and then between the giant and the man from another place. Yeah. Uh, 
get some we get the i think the best shot especially if you wanted to say i don't know save out an animated gif of uh the of the man from another place dancing mm-hmm. we get the great kind of like almost like three quarters not completely overhead shot but yes. overhead perspective shot uh of him doing the little dance uh and laura hey laura hey. palmer remember her <laughs> she's here incredible yeah um now, in the in the script originally, did was was Laura part of the goings on in the Black Lodge? She was there really briefly, and it was gonna be mostly like Wyndham Earl running the show and like Annie playing a more significant part. And it wasn't even gonna be the Red Room. It was gonna be like this weird like motel that Cooper was checking into, and he was gonna see a younger version of himself. And it was gonna be like these dark reflections of like real places in Twin Peaks. Hmm. But I love the Red Room so much more. I mean, Laura is like arguably the star of these scenes being back. And then also reappears uh, as Maddie. Mm -hmm. um, Or Maddie reappears uh, as well. Um, And like, hey, remember remember the, the central thread that was holding this show together? That we still like would pay service to by having her in the credits? Uh, or, you know, I don't know. Were, were, were those... Scott, did they do the shitty thing where they wouldn't show you the the end credits on the like first network airing back then? No, they didn't do that thing where they had to be about one inch tall they at the, at the it corner in. of the screen. They actually showed the whole entire credits because all my old VHS tapes have full credits on at the end. Um, but going back to to Laura Palmer, like Cheryl Lee, for the limited amount of screen time she has, she's like the most effective as Laura Palmer in this and with the ethereal quality that she has. And then with her moments of absolute terror and the screaming and the um, fantastic moment where she's, I'll see you again in 25 years. And then with her hand gestures and the finger snap, I mean, that's just, that's what Twin Peaks is all about. And to see her back into into the thick of things and be integral to the Mm -hmm. story is so welcome at this point. Yeah, absolutely. And I really appreciate that she's not being an object of desire in these scenes. And she's being really disruptive um, and spooky and really just like in both Cooper and the viewer's face. Yeah. And uh, Cheryl Lee deserves more credit for being really good at the backwards talking, too. I know. Uh, I feel like like it's always uh, Michael Anderson who's praised for for his backward talking abilities, but... uh, Everybody's bringing it. Everybody who's being required oh to bring it. Um, even even Wyndham Earl does a little does a little bit of it. Yeah, there wasn't going to be any backwards talking in the original script. Why? <laughs> it's just like if you ha- you know there there's there's a reason not to overdo something you know some aesthetic choice or or sort of right. quirk or trait that you that you develop early on. But it's not like it was overdone. At this point, mm-hmm. it's not like we were seeing this that often. Not um, to be too mean, but um, it seems like the acting from um, Heather Graham again, that I guess I'm kind of being harsh to, but her acting is about the same quality when she's speaking forwards or backwards. <laughs> yes. It's like she learns her lines phonetically. It doesn't matter if they're forwards or backwards. Oh, my gosh. No, I think that's so accurate. Well, there's, there's so much going on. Like, Annie is this character that is introduced like almost in the same breath as carolyn and the the like uncomfortable proximity there and like how cooper's supposed to see her like 
she doesn't even come into Twin Peaks as her own person, like, yeah. in fiction because she's Norma's little sister. Yep. Like, Annie doesn't get to be anything but, like, you know, some kind of echo of another thing having happened before. Very true. Uh, and is written as such just trying to, like, put this character into the position the character needs to be in order to be kidnapped by Wyndham Earl and yeah. raise stakes for Cooper. Yeah. Which is just so lame. And, like, so completely... So com- so entirely... um like laughable compared to then the great character exploration uh you're about to you're about to see for the first time of Laura Palmer and Fire Walk with me where it's just like mm-hmm. oh we can we can get to know all the many sides of these characters and have it be developed and have it be well written and have it be in this universe it makes Annie then stand out even more so as someone who doesn't who doesn't fit and was sort of more of a plot element than an interesting character absolutely she um, does feel shoehorned in, and and I don't want to lament too much about what could have been and take away anything from this episode, which, in my opinion, is in my top maybe three favorite episodes of the entire series. Mm-hmm. But can you imagine if the trajectory of season two had been followed through with Audrey and Cooper's oh, romance, and you know it would have been set up for her to win Miss Twin Peaks and then mm-hmm. be in this whole position? It would have made these scenes as wonderful as they are. It would have it would have elevated it to even heights that we probably couldn't even imagine. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's interesting because um, in the bank vault scene, Audrey does say, "Call the sheriff's department and ask for Agent Cooper." Yeah, which is definitely David Lynch's addition. <laughs> Just dangling that carrot. Um, but yeah, I mean. And imagine any combination where, or any construction whereby we didn't have to mess around with Wyndham Earl as this shoehorned in villain, but that like a continuity, a stronger continuity of like antagonist, um, be it someone else possessed by Bob or uh, someone who, some other entity, you know, related to or stemming from the Black Lodge, or just, like, one of these characters we've already known. Like, yeah. what if we found out that Doc Hayward was evil oh much sooner? Oh, my God! <laughs> uh, uh, what, if he, what if he had, uh, you know, gotten his first kill that much earlier? Or just Donna. Just like, Donna, probably. I mean... In my opinion. Season two, where Donna was the main... Uh, enemy that's the universe i want to live in yeah Um, but anyway we're in this one and this finale is still great and there's still like uh, like 15 minutes of red room we haven't even touched on pure magic yeah i appreciated the connections drawn between like annie and carolyn but how swiftly those connections even just move to laura and putting laura back at the front and center because ultimately like she still died a horrible death that hasn't even been close to avenged. Yeah. Um, or really, uh, like, fully solved or resolved. Um, because yeah. we know there's the connection to Teresa Banks, mm-hmm. and that hasn't been explored uh, to its fullest and so forth. Uh, we just have sort of Leland's confession. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, there's, there's so much around the edges that... You know, we maybe would have seen filled in had, you know, things progressed differently and they hadn't revealed the killer so soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and yeah david lynch is pulling for that version of the show very hard Mm -hmm. um and you know and i don't think it's like the 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 premise of of cooper's backstory uh you know sort of having this mentor who sort of goes awol and maybe having this affair like those things on their own just as ideas aren't the problem the problem is always in the execution and the way that those characters were then constructed and built and employed uh and, and put into situations like there's a there's the potential for something better there than what ends up on screen because then we just get here's my wallet photo of carolyn <laughs> here's here's the you know the not even impactful reveal that yes it was uh Wyndham who killed her like all this yeah. stuff uh just i mean i don't think that any version of cooper's backstory that involves just fridging a female character to make cooper more interesting is gonna be better uh i i hope that i didn't say a version where she has to die okay <laughs> uh, because no yeah. um yeah I mean, I mean i don't even care about the affair i i hate men looking at photos of women and being sad exactly. i never want to see that we again don't need that but the, the but the thought maybe that he had a complicated past because he arrives on the scene very composed yeah and like like the seemingly this like you know omnipotent omnipotent sort of hippy dippy version of like the perfect boyfriend almost and the thought that like maybe uh maybe he was not always this way would be interesting in and of itself or like like you know outside of gordon and uh oh god albert albert (laughs) thanks scott (laughs) like who else is at the fbi because they don't necessarily seem like they're on his wavelength either like imagine like imagine we we talked about this a version where you could actually imagine wyndham earl as someone who cooper would have ever gotten along with (laughs) because they don't even operate the same way they don't play the same games yeah uh you know we we're seeing a version of this character that is so different from Cooper that it's hard to even like believe that they would have ever been in the same room. Yeah, it would have other. been much more interesting if Wyndham really or like uh, the character in Wyndham's place would have been more of a one to one foil of Cooper. Yeah, uh, and we don't get any of that, and we get a fridging, and we get a horse costume, and <laughs> a log lady costume, and a log lady costume. God, uh, all the... that stuff that. It's just so unnecessary. Yeah, give me give me evil Donna. <laughs> Very true. But, but failing that, uh, bye, Wyndham Earl. You're done. You're, yeah. Oh, my God. It was so satisfying. Like you said, gum on the bottom of Bob's shoe. Yeah. Uh, and a really cool visual, too. Oh, uh, my God. The reverse fire. Um, yeah, that's one of my favorite Lynch effects of all time is that sequence. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, we we had had this discussion previously. I've not formed any any new theories, but uh, sort of the mechanics at play in the in the lodge. Mm-hmm. You know, how much of what of what Cooper's seeing is right. being pulled by is sort of the individual will of these people who seem to be trapped there, like Laura or their doppelgangers, or right. how much of this is Bob or Wyndham Earl trying to trying to bring Cooper to that moment of fear uh, to make Cooper vulnerable. Um, but whatever's at play, clearly Earl steps in some shit by trying to, to take Cooper's soul the way he does and gets gets destroyed. Bob just is just like, no, you can't do that. Yeah, and it's great and 
Frank Silva is fucking great. Oh, uh, so much spookier than all of Wyndham Earl's scenes combined. Yeah. Um, and then Kyle McLaughlin gets to be spooky with some spooky contacts. Lots uh, spooking. Uh, I, I love the, the, the glassy eye appearance of yes. the doppelgangers. It's so unsettling. And when, when Laura's doppelganger is just up in Cooper's face, screaming, barreling down the camera. Oh my god, uh, I love her screaming. Yeah. Uh, and then we, that scene of her, when he sees her and she's screaming and she's on the little uh, couch. Yeah, the weird, like, S over. couch. It's, yes. like, it's like the scene where Bob crawls over the couch towards Maddie. You're it kind of so echoes right. that scene. Yeah. God, that, all, that, all, the, all the furniture work being done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so good. Yeah. Uh, Scott, I'm curious as to if you have a theory about how the Black Lodge works. I think that it will present versions of people in the person who's there facing whatever challenges, whether it's um, their fear or their shortcomings and stuff like that. And they're seeing mm-hmm. a, a version that's interpreted of all these different people in their life. Like, I don't necessarily think there's like, I, I don't know, I could be wrong, but like a bad Laura or a bad Maddie or a bad little man. I think that they are a mirror image in some ways that are representative of parts of Cooper's experience and his psyche being right. shown back at him, physicalized through um, other people. Hmm. Uh, we get the um, we get the reappearance of Leland uh, Ray Wise, who for this last episode is credited as a main cast member again. I didn't um, notice that. Yeah, uh, I'm glad you didn't notice because I saw that and I was like, oh, that kills the surprise. Oh yeah, um, but he comes out and says, "I did not kill anyone." Um, which uh, on our one one and a half recording of this episode, I don't know. Um, uh, I went down the, the whole tangent of this calls into question, you know, Leland's post possession confession and stuff. Given, yeah, his culpability. Yeah, how he appears and and, and complicates that matter. Uh, but I think more than anything, uh, now I'm thinking about it, and it's just like whatever the impact of him saying that is. He comes out and says it as Cooper is being pursued by his doppelganger. Like, bad timing or Cooper having a moment, like, taken away from him where he is made just that much more vulnerable. Like, the the image of Leland coming out and, and saying, I didn't do anything. Like, mm-hmm. even calling into mm-hmm. doubt anything. Like, Cooper, in this moment, as he's being pursued, as his soul is at risk for uh, either imprisonment or consumption or corruption, uh, doesn't need to have any more doubts and needs to get the fuck out of there and does not Mm -hmm. and gets captured. And Um, and that represents, like I said, I think that represents the, the questioning and the uncertainty that Cooper has in everything that he thought he discovered about the Black Lodge and Bob and Laura's death and Leland and I think that this is being, you know, thrown back at him a little bit. He's got to confront yeah. the questions that he still has. And yeah. Instead of the Cooper we see at the opening of the episode, the um, you know, omnipotent, totally capable Cooper, if you look at everything that happens uh, in the lodge as him just having doubts, yeah, he's screwed. He's done. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. And that's what Hawk, and he's Hawk that much said. more human for it. Yeah, and Hawk told him that when you go into the lodge and face it with imperfect fear, you'll meet your shadow self. And if you face it with imperfect fear, 
your soul will be uh, utterly annihilated, I think he said. Yeah, damn, Hawk. Damn. Your soul will have a, a fucking throwing axe. Uh, yeah. Uh, peg right in the back. Well, yeah. that's that's why Hawk does the real police work in Twin <laughs> right. Peaks. Yeah. I really wish that, like, it had been something to do with Laura that had compelled Cooper into the Black Lodge. Like, I think it's appropriate that there is that turn where, like, David Lynch is, like, re- reminding the audience what the show is about. But I think that, like, I would have really appreciated a version where the threat of Laura's death was still kind of held throughout yeah. the back end of season two. I mean, we've talked about uh, and, and, and your preference for something that would have focused more on Cooper's actual standing with the FBI yeah. after the investigation. But also uh, a version where Bob doesn't just disappear, but is being actively pursued. Like mm-hmm. they, they, from the outset, they don't get distracted by, by Wyndham Earl or other situation, and are trying to find the Black Lodge. Then to try and, and you know, face the darkness in the woods rather yeah, than just somewhat actively. Rather than you know Harry mentioning it, and then, then his girlfriend dying, and then screaming, and then yeah. And you yeah. know, you know what I thought could have tied it more together too, if they could have somehow reintroduced Mrs. Tremont and her grandson yes. as maybe yet another set of people that could somehow be involved in this. In fact, I always thought it was weird why they never, like Donna and Cooper, never went back to mm. to investigate that after yeah. Laura's death was solved. And if they could have somehow had that mythology explored further during the run of the show, maybe towards the end and kind of build things up. I think that would have been yeah. a really good thing to kind of tie things up. But of course we're, it's not fair. We're talking about things that should have been a good event yeah. or possibly could yeah. have been. Yeah. But I really I'm think saying, that's compelling. I'm saying young Dustin Hoffman, Letty Von Dolan should have reappeared. I was just in the thinking finale. of that. <laughs> I mean, he would have popped up and said, Donna killed me. <laughs> yeah, I, for sure. For oh sure. God. I would have loved to seen Donna in the red room, just confronting everyone who she's, Mm. caused harm to and someone who was supposed to appear in the red room uh was going to be josie but right then filmed by a body double such that we wouldn't have seen her face because her her it's her head that's in the yeah that's what you said scott right like yes. it was supposed to be her head trapped in the door, drawer pole so we would see it just poked through some curtains or something exactly. yeah i can i can see that image not super working either or being very clear so yeah. especially if we um, had to go back and see that cg again it's probably better to oh my that god one. just leave it just leave it um yeah when is Wyndham earl first mentioned in the series do either of you know um in the second episode of season two so the episode yeah. like where albert is there in the uh, barbershop quartet singing and he tells yeah. him about the uh, oh, Wyndham history yes. so they planted that seed way early yes yep Interesting. I wonder what the plan was for that, or if they just kind of wrote themselves into this corner. Yeah, I don't know. Is you know, I, I they they sort of plant it early, but then they don't they don't keep uh, laying the groundwork. Like they, they're still focused in the in the early half more on what's going on with uh, who killed Laura. They're still more focused on that. It'd be interesting to see. Well, I mean. It wouldn't have been any better if they'd still been building towards this incarnation of Wyndham Earl, like then, because then it would have been yeah. distracting from the whole thing. Uh, but then we, I don't know, would that have meant less scenes with uh, Jacques? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, any any other thoughts on the Red Room? 
feel like I might. Let me take a look at my notes. Scott, your thoughts? Um, the red room scenes are just, it's some of the most iconic um, elements of Twin Peaks, so anything is welcome. And I think that they, in Lynch's hands, seeing the return of it is much more genuine than when we saw after Josie died, the reappearance of Bob and the mm-hmm. little man that seemed completely shoehorned into what was happening on the show. And this is a very organic, it's like this was always the plan for it to go back to this. And like I had said before, this is like David Lynch going, this is not what, what you've been watching before. This is not what Twin Peaks is all about. I'm going to show you exactly what Twin Peaks means and what it's all about. And that's what Mm -hmm. this episode is. Yeah. And bringing back, you know, the characters that we've been missing that really add that extra kind of extra dimensional Twin Peaks touch while at the same time kind of winding down the Nadine storyline. Yeah. <laughs> as well as the Eckhart storyline. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then the last scene, Hayward's there. <laughs> Just, you know, spent the evening burying a body. Just doing his doctor thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No um, remorse. Uh I mean, great work by Kyle MacLachlan. He is acting up a storm in this episode. Very scary, uh, uh, sort of, very scary headbutt. I don't know. Uh, and one one hell of a cliffhanger. I That's sort of, I, I don't know how else to take it. There's, It's not the end of Twin Peaks, but this is the last thing. This is the last thing you saw for about uh, what, a year and a half, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, Close about to... a year, about a year and four months or six months. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, this was this is this was how Twin Peaks was gonna end. I mean, I especially after seeing. Well, I won't say anything else, but um, mm-hmm. but th- this is where the narrative of the uh, continuity ends for Twin Peaks, basically, and until next year. And I have made peace with it over the intervening years, obviously, and I think it's it's a kind of a perfect ending for a show to leave a mark like that but in the scheme of things as you're watching it it's very frustrating for sure yeah was that your initial reaction frustration i was very frustrated but because i knew at that point the show was canceled when that episode aired and i had yeah. no idea they were making a movie so mm-hmm. into for a couple months so i was very frustrated i loved it i loved every second of it as i watched mm-hmm. it but for it to end like that without the potential hope of any resolution was pretty bad and you weren't holding out hope that the that another network work would pick up the show no because that didn't happen as much as that kind of thing happens now mm-hmm. not nearly so and plus i knew the writing was on the wall with how the ratings had been and the preempting and the hiatuses so i didn't think very was true on anyone's list to go out of their their way to try to add it to their schedules at that point you know mm-hmm. but hey later on you got on the air right yeah that came out right. the same summer as firewalk with me Wow. Unbelievable. Yeah. You guys have you not YouTubed any of that? You really need to watch that. I've I've tried to watch just some of it. <laughs> I it is not to my tastes, yeah. I think. It's I completely sooner, absurd, but I, I I think it's charming in yeah. its own way. I, I should sooner uh complete my my you know, watch through of the rest of David Lynch's movies then, you know, watch, yeah, fair enough. watch the existing episodes of On the Air. Yeah. Well, he only um, directed the first episode. So if you watch that, you've done him <laughs> service. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. And just uh, such a waste of toothpaste. 
The original scene was supposed to be more subtle. There was going to mm-hmm. be no pouring of the toothpaste, but that's I. Oh, it's a great I love image. it. Yeah, I, I love it. Um, it definitely brings into question like how Bob works as an inhabitor of bodies, mm-hmm. um, because it it was so seem it seemed to be seamless when he was inhabiting Leland. I mean, he was singing, dancing, <laughs> looking into the mirror. Yeah. Carting around golf clubs. Well, and this comes directly after seeing two Coopers. So you see his doppelganger. So you're left with, uh, did the wrong one get out? And, you know, is the wrong one Bob all the time? Or is there some sort of other thing going on where Bob comes and goes and Cooper's good some of the time when he's outside of the lives? There's all these questions that have never been addressed that I think we're going to probably delve into in hopefully a meaningful way in the new series. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe more evil Kyle McLaughlin to come. I would love yeah. that, Very actually. Likely. Yeah, the original plan for season three allegedly was going to be trying to save Cooper from the Black Lodge, um, so we'd probably spend some more time with evil Coop. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to assume on some level that that's related to this version of season three that we're going to see. Yeah. I don't think they're just going to roll straight into like, and we freed Cooper from the Black Lodge and everything's been great. Yeah, well, they they're, they're cover, not going to do that. Yeah. They got to cover everything that happened to Cooper in Sex and the City, in Desperate yeah. Housewives, and in Portlandia. Yeah. Uh, exactly. We got to go through those phases first and yeah. see how they relate. Um, got to marry Charlotte York, <laughs> move to Portland to start life over again. Uh, I took bathtubs with my, my mother sitting right next to me. <laughs> God. Uh,. Well, that's that's it for the show. We come a we come a long road. We have. It's been a long road. Come a long way on said road. There you go. Something something. The theme to Star Trek Enterprise. No. Uh, <laughs> you know that's 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 a show that I actually saw the the pilot premiere of uh, at the Experience Music Project in Seattle because Paul Allen, the owner of that kind of expensive mess of a museum just really loves star trek and so he had an event that you could win tickets to to go see what ended up being i think the worst star trek series uh love it premiere is that experience play is that next to near the um yeah the right space next needle? to space needle okay yeah. i know where you're talking it's about the, it's the frank gary design building okay. yeah so that's where they have the, the silver Huh? Is it lots of silver? It's it that would it would look better that way. It's actually lots of different colors because from above it's supposed to look like a smashed guitar. Um, yeah. <laughs> if you if you're out Seattle way, just go spend time in North Bend. Go hit up the, the nice wine bar and the and the yeah. and Pete's Cafe. Don't don't spend fifty dollars on a ticket to the Experience Music Project and the Sci Fi Museum. It's yeah, too much. I was gonna say when I visited Seattle to do touristy stuff. I was like, we're going to skip this. This doesn't seem <laughs> worth the money. <laughs> um, yeah. But I don't know. Maybe, uh, you know, I will presumably, well, uh, who knows? Who knows how many months from now it's going to be? But I'm, I might not be in Portland. I might not be on the West Coast uh, come the premiere of season three of Twin Peaks. But uh, I, that's going to be so fucking exciting. It's going to be cool. And I hope that there's like some kind of experience that people can get out to where they can see it in a room full of people who yeah are super into it uh there was talk of maybe doing uh screenings at theaters right yeah um, i read about that uh the president of showtime said that he was exploring alternate ways that they could show it to celebrate it and have fans interact together as they experienced it for the first time yeah. which would be really awesome 
I mean, uh, there was a there was a place here in town in Portland that would show. Uh, I watched most of the last season of Breaking Bad uh, in movie theaters, which was super great. Um, mm-hmm. Part of it was because you didn't have to pay to go see it because they couldn't charge for it uh, uh, since they were just like showing you the cable feed live. Right, right. But, you know, you could get your popcorn, you could get your drinks and stuff. Mm-hmm. That was fun. Um, and, yeah, I mean, there's in the last 10, 15 years, all those like one-off theater events that yeah. movie theaters uh do like the riff tracks live and the live like theater performances and stuff just let me watch twin peaks there and not on a phone so that uh i'm not committing a fucking sadness (laughs) as david lynch would say and maybe if we're lucky they'll have like a a season two of the new full house reboot at big screens as well (laughs) that would be fantastic if carly ray jepson is more involved i'm all for it um Yeah. Uh, any anything from uh, the world of production notes or Usenet stuff that oh, you want to mention? Did I? Uh, I did most of the production stuff. Um, so I did do my deep dive into Usenet. It was the return of the factual questions. Mm-hmm. Who is dead? Why did this happen? What did this person say? Um, which I think is actually a good sign as much as that is like pretty redundant given our ability to rewind and rewatch scenes at this point um i haven't seen those questions in a while people were challenged by the episode <laughs> yeah so that's putting was, it mildly yeah so that was pretty refreshing let me see if i can find um there were some people who did not like this episode mm. um and i'm gonna read you one of those posts says well i hope you're all satisfied i guess you showed lynch those of you who wrote the final 30 to 60 seconds of the movie myself i am flat out angry i am angry that we see dale running around in a stupid set that white lodge scarcely makes an appearance and i don't mean the stupid appearance of the trio before the doppelganger sequence i am angry that coop never mentions or acts upon the giant's warning from before the pageant i am angry that we see the doctor so out of character in attacking ben and then a while later standing over coop i am angry that mike did not show up in the sequence i felt good about the show until the red room sequence from that point on i felt cheated as if all ideas had run out and so resorting to stream of consciousness or unconsciousness as the case may be was the final solution i am too angry to talk about the first 90 minutes right now maybe later it's a sad sad person i I know. He's wrong with absolutely every every count. I know, and but that's why I decided to read that. Yeah. yeah. Too bad he didn't get that it was all just purgatory all along. Right. Wacky <laughs> <laughs> uh, schmackety do. Anyway, um, well, I you know, I'm excited to watch the movie again. I'm excited to to dive into the missing pieces again because we are doing uh, that. This yeah, is not our final wait to episode. Hear you guys talk about that. I just yeah, and Ashley, you seeing that movie? I, I'm really excited to hear what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, yeah. I believe we had bets going. You don't think I'm going to like it, Scott? I didn't think you may love it at first because okay. it's an acquired taste kind of thing. But I think you are in the mindset right now with the way you've been watching this that maybe you'll be more open to it than okay. I was. That's what because I was excited to see it and loved seeing it, but I did not love the movie as the story and a piece of art at right. the time, but it took time and I think it's fantastic now. Yeah. I, you- I think you'll be down with it. Just, I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah. Um, you'll see different Donna. <laughs> uh, different yes. Donna. You'll see, 
to see what Bobby was up to prior to prior to the pilot and uh I think you'll appreciate both of those things at least not to mention like the great acting going on from Ray Wise and Shirley and so forth yes. yeah uh and uh Chris Isaac you might not be down with Chris Isaac we'll see how I feel about Chris Isaac yeah Chris Isaac, Kiefer Sutherland, David Bowie, all these people who oh. just kind of are there. <laughs> the Harry, Dean, Harry Dean Stanton characters. is awesome in it. Harry Dean Stanton's great in it, and if you are not down with Harry Dean Stanton in the movie, <laughs> I am then... not down with Harry Dean Stanton. Oh my god! And David Bowie, and I know you, yeah, you have some issues with him, but um, I his performance is like one of those classic WTF moments of the entire. It's, yeah, it's it's actually yeah, David Bowie uh, in Firewalk with Me. Uh, that's something where having the missing pieces now yes. uh, and the extra screen time we get from that, uh, it helps out a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it does. Mm-hmm. Um, the missing pieces exist because David Lynch did film so much. They filmed so much for that movie that it would just never have worked as right. a single thing. Uh, but then it's a shame because some characters straight up don't appear who, you know, were filmed and now you know you get to see in beautiful full hd widescreen great film transfer um, mm-hmm. better than you could ever get off of the the masters of the television show um and giving great performances having like nice little vignette scenes and things that would have been much appreciated that now we do have uh but the movie on its own for as challenging confusing and at points, I think scarier and and uh, sort of more troubling than the show ever gets uh, is just so good. But I'm so into that. It's I so good. Yeah. And for a while, I had you know my end of Twin Peaks was the end of the show. I like held off watching the movie so I would have one extra extra thing to go back to if but, you ever needed it. But now, like I said, it's going to be real exciting. 2017. Can't wait. Um, so before we really start wrapping things up, Christian, mm-hmm. um, who is one of our listeners, actually sent me some photos of the petroglyphs, um, as well as like some real versions of like the petroglyphs that the hmm. yeah. drawings in the show are based on. Scott, I'll definitely send this to you as okay. well. Yes. Um, but they're super, super neat and detailed. Yeah. Uh, so... Actually, as far as the petroglyph goes, like good work on the uh, on the designers that had to make that for the show. They didn't just like kind of doodle. Uh, there's some some clear visual continuity and like research that went yeah. into it. Yeah, well, super interesting, especially when you overlay it with like the map of Twin Peaks. Yeah. Um. So I thought that was really cool, and he also sent me this um picture of Don Davis's or Major Briggs's um awards. Oh. Yeah, like so. So, what what are some of his what are some of his accolades? Okay, so and... he has okay distinguished distinguished service medal, Legion of Merit, Silver Star, Bronze Star medal, Purple Heart, Joint Service Commendation medal, Army Commendation medal, Army Valorous Unit Citation Award, National Defense Service medal, Korean Service medal, Republic okay. of Vietnam Service medal, United Nations Service medal korea republic of korea presidential unit citation vietnam presidential unit citation vietnam gallantry cross wow very decorated 
but no, but no Project Blue Book secret. No, nope. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they should have added that. Yeah, he has to wear that on the inside of his on jacket. The so no one of his jacket. Um, also, shout out to Cole Hamilton who did the art uh, that appeared as the cover art for the podcast on the uh, reveal episode. Uh, I bought a original pencil drawing of Pete Martell, my fave, uh, and that will travel with me to my new my new home in Brooklyn. Uh, and right now, that might be the only thing that I put up on my wall. Maybe, maybe I'll maybe I'll put up like a couple other posters. I don't know. I got a lot of stuff, and I can't take it all with me. But that'll that'll make the trip. Uh, Just so yeah. a boy and two suitcases. Just a boy and two suitcases uh, and a backpack. Mm. Maybe some other stuff. I might Amtrak some stuff. I don't know. If you have uh, a, a laptop, you could be like sitting in a window typing on it and be just like Carrie Bradshaw. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, I do have a window, there you so go. yeah. You have that much going for you. <laughs> yeah, I don't. After after uh, having listened to two New Zealanders talk about Sex in the City too, uh, having watched it every week for a year, I don't know if I want to model myself so after Carrie Bradshaw. Bad. But well, hey. I mean, you got to watch the original series before you can make that judgment. Do I? Yes. <laughs> there's yes, some good. Do. There's some good stuff. <laughs> I'm not saying there's not some good stuff, but like, don't you want to see like Kyle MacLachlan struggle with erectile dysfunction? <laughs> okay. Well, when you put it that way, no. I mean, <laughs> if if anything, if I've taken away anything from doing a podcast about the the television show Twin Peaks. It's that don't model yourself after TV characters because before you know it, you'll find yourself in your own back half of season two slump. That's real. Live an authentic life. Wow. Um, but with those, with those <laughs> words, uh, Scott, thank you again so much for being a guest and, and valiantly coming out and recording this a second time. It's like you've guessed it on the show four times now. Yes, exactly. Well, thank you guys so much for having me back. And I was... So excited to discuss this episode, which, like I said, is among my absolute favorites of Twin Peaks. Yeah. Uh, I am Matthew Olson. Uh, wait, wait. Is this how we should handle this? I am Matthew Olson, and I'm saying you should listen to I'm So Sure podcast hosted by Scott. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I have a podcast <laughs> called I'm So Sure with uh, my best friend, Kevin, and we talk about music, movies, and uh, pop culture usually a lot of 80s references from when we were wee lads and um it's stuff that'll fly right over our heads <laughs> yeah probably a lot that would go over your heads but i try to bring some current things into it kevin is like music stopped for me after 1989 and i try to maybe inject a little bit more current sensibility into it to keep it you know open to everybody but it's nice. a lot of, we have a lot of fun we're on facebook at i'm so sure podcast and also on twitter i'm so sure podcast as well yeah Ashley, uh, t tell us tell us what you got going on. I got some stuff going on. So you can listen to me on a couple of other podcasts. Um, one is Pulp, uh, the podcast versus the people versus O.J. Simpson, which is rebranding as Pulp, a podcast based on a true story, where Johnny Flores and I are going to be talking about um, based on a true story adaptations. So pretty excited about that. If you guys have any like based on a true story recommendations um love to hear them love to have some guests on the show mm -hmm. um additionally i'm really really excited to announce that the k-hole is coming back yay 
Yeah, so I'm going to be talking with my friend Brooke Marine, who is doing her master's at U Chicago in media studies right now. And we're going to be talking about keeping up with the Kardashians. Nice. A show that will never have a slump <laughs> like Twin Peaks. It's just so good all the time. So consistently quality. Um, yeah, I am, as I said, Matthew Olson. I still just do one other podcast called Can You Get to That? With my friend Caitlin Best. Our most recent episode was on, ooh, it was on Cesar Chavez Day. Oh. But, uh, uh, spoilers, we did not make it there. We got held up on, um, uh, matters of, uh, anxieties in, in how to pronounce words of foreign origins and anxieties concerning, uh, the inevitable techno apocalypse where we'll all have robot bodies. Right. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I mean, is this... just the things that normal people worry about. Right. Is this the no first idea. time you haven't won a Wikipedia race? Uh, way, to, way to play your hand is not listening to the show. <laughs> <laughs> Our track record is not that solid. Oh. We get there more often than not, I think. But uh, yeah, uh, that's that's already up if you're listening to this episode. Maybe there's, you know, maybe there's more past that. Maybe you're listening to this a year from now. Maybe you're listening to this sh- show, Twin Peaks Peaks, to prepare yourself <laughs> For the third season, as it's about to premiere, who Whoa. knows? That's yeah. Think about it. That's wild. But uh, no matter when you're listening to this, uh, we hope you've enjoyed the journey through the television show, and that you'll stick around with us for uh, for Firewalk with Me and the Missing Pieces, and hopefully season three. Yeah, hopefully, yes. we'll see. Uh, Ashley. Uh, I, I mean, you surprised us on the first go around. Please close out the episode. How's Annie? <laughs>